Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know about the new channel called Thinkology. Now, many of you are probably aware that I created Thinkology as something to have a little bit more variety and research topics and just try something new in general on a new channel. If you might like slightly shorter content from time to time where maybe not everything is always depressing or sad, but kind of there's still a tinge of depressing and sad in there, then make sure to check out Thinkology on YouTube. While I am not the one voicing it, I have sourced some amazing talent to bring this new channel to life. It will cover history on Mondays, creepy and spooky things on Tuesdays, nature on Wednesdays, crime on Thursdays, and trivia on Fridays. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, make sure to check out the link in the description to check out Thinkology. Today, we're not just talking about a scammer, but a man who has run three MLMs, one of them being pirate-themed, believe it or not. Not only that, but he killed his own cousin with his reckless driving. His most fervent followers compare him to Jesus, and he may have been pretending to be a law firm to fend off his opposition. So if this sounds like one hell of a roller coaster ride that you are ready to ride, please make sure that you fasten your seatbelt, lower your lap bar, hands and legs inside the vehicle at all times because we are about to get into one hell of a bumpy ride about today's MLM. So hello everyone, welcome back. Sorry for the terrible intro. I just am really just vibing with roller coasters extra hard, Uh, but welcome back to another Multi-Level Mondays. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're gonna be talking about a Canadian MLM known as Business in Motion, also known as BIM. Not only are they not much of a business, in my opinion anyway, but they don't really seem to be moving in the right direction either. So let's dive right in, see what they're all about, and where this MLM actually came from to begin with. Let's get into it. Alan Kipax is the founder of BIM. So we're gonna start with a bit about Alan and why BIM was started. As much as I try not to assume the worst of these founders and at least try to feel out if they were just, you know, maybe a little naive or arrogant when starting this company, Alan is most definitely not one of those people. Today, we are running a three for one deal because Alan hasn't run just one MLM or two, but three. We're going to start with the first, which actually isn't BIM at all, but TTI, otherwise known as Treasure Traders International, founded in 2003. Now, this was an MLM for, of all things, emeralds. Participants acquired overappraised emeralds and tried to sell them to others. And while this was a pyramid scheme because this was the direct money transfer, TTI appeared more like a sales company than some other MLMs we've previously discussed. Alan is from the UK, though most of the scams we'll be discussing today originated in Canada. So while Alan ran the scam in Canada, it seems like his cousin, Peter, was running things in the UK. While there are court documents to confirm this, I'm going to read one summary posted to a forum that breaks down Kipax's history, just for simplicity's sake. The product was the most expensive product in the world, emeralds. The emeralds and later the sapphires, rubies, and travel packages covered up a classic pyramid scam, the splitting panel often referred to as the airplane game. TTI adopted a nautical theme. The airplane became a ship, the Destiny, with eight crew, four voyagers, two first mates, and one captain. 
Each time the ship filled with unsuspecting crew members, it split to form two new ships and more crew members were invited to join. When you boarded a ship as crew, you paid $1,200 to the captain cash only and invited two more people on board who also paid $1,200 to the captain, adding an Aussie two-up feature to the scheme. In return for your cash, you would receive a certificate from the captain, which you could later redeem with a large additional payment of $800 for the gemstones or travel pack of your choice. So essentially it was just mini pyramid groups all within one massive pyramid scheme. Again, court documents say exactly this, but I believe the way it was explained within the forum is just a, just a hair easier to understand. For any of you wanting to read the full explanation, feel free to check out my sources below. Anyway, some sources say that the emeralds eventually ended up showing on eBay because people couldn't sell them with a gem pack that was supposedly worth $1,350 selling for just $45 on eBay. People couldn't get rid of these things fast enough, apparently. Now, not only did adults do this, but kids as young as 16 years old were borrowing money from credit cards to try and join the scam too. A lot of sellers that began working for TTI were allegedly from another defunct pyramid scheme, WEW or Women Empowering Women. And it was a lot of those like blessing blooms or ship kind of things with eight crew members. Allen allegedly claims that within the very first year of operation, TTI made $34 million, though no financial publication can affirm this and he never backed it up with any evidence. What is apparent though, is that as early as 2004, people were suspicious of TTI, not only for the business model, but for how they were said to take advantage of immigrants. A CBC news organization in Canada interviewed a Somali man who said that he was concerned about how TTI was growing in his community. It's a vulnerable community. This community is new and they're not aware of this kind of scheme, he told CBC. Although this source does not go into as much depth as the forum post or court documents, they corroborate the nautical theme that TTI apparently had, writing that the goal of TTI was to become a captain, which required the recruitment of 31 other people. And we already know from that statement alone that that just doesn't sound like a legitimate business. If the only way to make real money is through recruitment, then it's not a sales position, but a pyramid scheme. Of course, Quebec's disagrees and told CBC in 2004 that network marketing produces more millionaires than every other business combined every year. And just for a very quick fact check here, finance, tech, entertainment, healthcare, those industries are where the most money is. Just for the record, it's not in emeralds or pirate ships. Personally, I'd rather come about my money in an honest way that doesn't involve taking vulnerable people's money and only giving them empty promises in return. But hey, I guess Quebec's doesn't feel the same. So here we are. Fortunately, whether or not Kipax agrees with me, the UK did and shut down TTI in 2005, calling them a pyramid scheme. A year later, TTI collapsed in Canada, but no one was ever prosecuted. One site claims that as many as 40,000 people were targeted by TTI by the time it collapsed, but the total number of victims is unknown. However, what's especially questionable about the fact that TTI simply fell in on itself, Canada's Competition Bureau never moved to close it down. They claimed to be aware of the company in 2004 during the CBC article, but they never confirmed or denied if any investigation was even going on. So how come the UK had enough evidence to shut them down, but Canada didn't? Although it's a bit of a long story and frankly, one for another episode, some sources argue that their competition act actually created a haven for MLMs. Apparently pyramid schemes can operate legally so long as they define themselves as MLMs. There's a lot more MLMs in Canada than you might actually think, especially ones we've already discussed. There's gonna be ones like Advocare, Roden and Fields, 31, Unique, and so many more. And some we haven't even talked about yet, including Shackley, which one day we will. 
But in the meantime, let's talk about the next scheme Kipax concocted, BIM. Sources disagree on when BIM was actually founded. Court documents from 2006 mention it, so naturally it must have been around that time. Others say it came around in 2007. Yet more court documents seem to explain that though BIM was founded in 2006, Kipax didn't become a part of it until 2007 when he was the director. Even more confusing still, Kipex was the only director of BIM for a single day in March, 2007. I have absolutely no idea why Kipex made that move, but regardless, no matter what position he held, he was very much in charge of the day-to-day going-ons at the company to the point where people would say he and the company were one. So how did he run BIM? To start with, BIM would sell rental packages like prepackaged vacations. BIM was fond of running seminars between 90 minutes to two hours long, where they'd get crowds excited about earning money, showing images of private jets, expensive homes, resorts, golf courses, you name it. One source reads, BIM offered several products available for sale. These included vacation rental packages known as Ultra Life Club memberships, prepackaged gemstones known as gem cachets, and a health-promoting stir stick for drinking water called the Quantum Stylus. These and other products sold by BIM are known as perpetual motion products. I note that perpetual motion is a scientific impossibility, yet another sign of things to come. Participants had two options to acquire a perpetual motion product. First, they could pay the retail price charged by BIM, $9,000 per Ultra Life Club membership or other perpetual motion product. Second, they were offered the option to purchase the perpetual motion product for a reduced wholesale price. $3,200 for the Ultra Life Club membership if they paid $80 as a BIM distributor fee to become a BIM distributor entitled to sell perpetual motion products. By becoming a BIM distributor, participants were able to take part in a BIM corporate ladder. The only way to participate in a BIM corporate ladder was to become a BIM distributor by buying a perpetual motion product and paying the BIM distributor fee. BIM materials promised BIM distributors would get compensated for every product sale they create. I guess Kipax really could not stop selling those goddamn gemstones. After all, I guess he got away with it the first time, so why wouldn't he do it again? Now, once distributors were signed up, they got their own login to a BIM website, like we've seen plenty of times in many of the other MLMs we've covered. A BIM corporate ladder had eight people on the bottom, four supervisors, two managers, and a direct salesperson at the top. You know, like maybe a ship from a pyramid scheme previously, or, you know, just a perfectly shaped little pyramid. Of course, just like most MLMs we've talked about, there were some pretty strict requirements you needed to meet in order to stay part of this little pyramid. First is that if a supervisor didn't make two sales within the first 170 hours of being active, then they entered capture the key mode, which means that someone else in the corporate ladder could make those sales and earn additional credits. The distributor that didn't make the sale would get an icon by their name, a circle with a red line through it, and the distributor that successfully made the sale would get a green key icon. Pretty ridiculous, right? And 170 hours, by the way, it's about a week long. Do you think you could sell two expensive vacations to someone in a week? Because I sure as hell don't think I could. Now, there's a little bit more to these keys, additional purchases, and some pretty complicated rules that seem to come with the territory of direct sales. We won't get into every detail because honestly, I feel like they purposely make their business models and bonuses complicated to distract from the form. The point is, these presentations were littered with those empty promises, scripts about their business being a proven system and more. Here's just a few of them. We can literally turn people's annual income into a monthly income. I know that sounds like a bold statement to make, but I have met quite a few people who have already achieved that with our program and others who are well on their way to doing this. 
Obviously, this just isn't possible. Not everyone can earn 30,000 a month or over $300,000 a year. Only the people at the tippy tippy top can earn that. And as we've seen with other pyramid schemes, it's quite literally a fraction of a percent that ever get there. Now, to promise this to a crowd is disingenuous. Another claim says, we have distributors who have requalified themselves four, five, six, even nine times over. That's a total of eight or $900,000 as soon as their boards split and that they pay out all that money. So that's a very simple solution. So what we have is $13,200 as DOS payout part-time, create two or more sales if you choose to. You have our $9,000 in retail value from the Ultra Life Club plus our vice president potential of $100,000. Once again, this is really overcomplicating how people get paid and how their program works. Not only is it a pyramid scheme, but it's not even a simple one. Generally speaking, if how you get paid is complicated, then you should probably run the other way. And obviously, but I feel like I'm gonna have to continually restate this, but if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Now, CBC decided to kind of go undercover and investigate the company a few years after it was founded, trying to get some answers about their questionable business model. Using secret cameras, CBC showed the attitude at these seminars. And I have to say, if there was ever a cultish MLM meeting, this one might be it. I've seen worse from massive Herbalife rallies, sure, but there's something about watching all these people standing up in a hotel room shouting $100,000 as if it's guaranteed is unsettling and depressing. So who'd like to make a little money? Tonight, what only Marketplace will tell you about easy money. Tough times, quick fix. Imagine life without limits. The attitude and language used by Kipax is also especially alarming. At one point, we see him talking to a couple and he says this, nobody never doesn't have money. Here's an example. Your mother is dying in the hospital and you need $3,200 for an emergency operation. Are you going to get the money, yes or no? Not only is this manipulative because, well, we know from experience here that MLMs just don't earn good money, but it's playing off of people's emotions and tugging on their heartstrings. I understand doing it to some small extent in sales, but not like this. As for why he insisted she get $3,200 specifically, that's because that's how much it costs to join BIM's online vacation club. Not only is that an astronomical cost to sign up, but it's not really fair at all to compare that to a life-saving surgery for your mother. Wendy Mesley, a reporter for CBC, and Ross Perlmutter, a travel expert, went over this $3,200 package to see what it was actually worth during the investigation. Hilariously enough, literally the same vacation that BIM costs just over $600 can be found online for $399. It's over $200 less when all Ross did was Google search the same vacation. So they attempted to replicate it again and tried it with a second package only to get a nearly identical result. BIM is far more expensive each and every time. Not only is BIM scamming their members, but the vacations aren't even worth what they charge. So good luck trying to sell that to people. And yes, this was same for the same hotel, the same price, everything. It was the exact same service and product, only more expensive through BIM. When Ross gave his final opinion, he just looked at the binder and briefcase Mesley brought in full of travel options and said, it's a lovely binder, nice briefcase, not a $3,200 briefcase. Another expert Mesley spoke to, Robert Fitzpatrick, said that BIM was all about recruitment. The vacation club may seem like a product, but there's a wink, wink, nod, nod, according to him. And that wink, wink is even clearly explained by Kipax himself at one of these seminars when he tells one of the attendees this. 
It's not about whether you get sales. It's about how fast it takes you to get to the top. So yeah, that doesn't sound very legitimate to me. Unfortunately, it did sound legitimate to Robert McCluskey, who joined BIM, was able to recruit his friends only to be suspended for breaking rules. He never got his commission, and according to Robert, he did nothing wrong. In his area, BIM was posting billboards, advertisements, and all this crap telling you could earn $30,000 a month. Once McCluskey realized he was scammed, he went to the RCMP, which is Canada's police force, but they told him to go to the competition bureau. And as for the competition bureau, once more, they don't really answer and won't tell anyone if they're even investigating the company. The investigation by CBC, on the other hand, closes with Mesley confronting Kipax after one of his meetings. She asks him how many members he has and Kipax claims to have over a thousand and they expect to have over 40,000 by this year's end. He adds that the year previously, they made $30 million and that they don't have a pyramid scheme because they sell an extremely valuable product. Of course, the moment that Mesley explains that his product isn't valuable, Kipex got furious and shouts at her. I do this every day for 15 years in this country and you're telling me we have something illegal? Please, he yelled. Hilariously enough, when Mesley explains that after 22 levels of this pyramid scheme, the entire population of Canada would be accounted for, Kipex says, Jesus Christ has been network marketing for years and he only has 25% of the population. Kipex continues to shout over her that people can't lose in his company using anecdotal evidence and claiming to have 100 experts. Kipex also insists that he's never been charged for running an illegal pyramid scheme, which while true, certainly doesn't account for TTI being shut down. Anyways, I'm thrilled that a news source in Canada brought attention to this pyramid scheme. As you might expect though, there's still a lot more about BIM and Kipex we need to uncover. And before we get into the ever fun part, the lawsuits, let's take a quick break to thank today's sponsors. Who wouldn't benefit from saving some money right now? Well, there's one way you can do that. Cut your cell phone bill. With Mint Mobile, you can do that without sacrificing the quality because they offer premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. And yeah, that's the real number. There's no catch there. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they don't have brick and mortar stores and they sell online only, so that's less overhead for you, which means you get a smaller bill. All of their plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus you can keep your phone and phone number, or you can do what I did and I got a work phone number. And so since my main phone is an iPhone, I decided for my work phone, I was going to try an Android finally. So I got myself the Motorola Razr, the new one, and I've been having a blast with it for a couple months. I think I've mentioned this probably way too much, but it's kind of nice. The service is always sharp and intact. I don't miss phone calls. My calls don't get dropped. It's easy to do whatever I need to do. And yeah, so I'm, pretty sold. I I mean, I don't know what else to say. Like, how can you say no to something so simple, easy, and just accessible? So if you want to get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, make sure you go to mintmobile.com slash MLM. That's mintmobile.com slash MLM. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash MLM. This episode is also sponsored by Avast One. So many of us are working from home right now and with less virus protection, all while there's troubling stories coming out regularly about cyber attacks that disrupt our basic infrastructure. So I think it's all time we've had a serious think about our cybersecurity needs. Avast has been a global leader in cybersecurity for more than 30 years and is trusted by over 435 million users. 
Avast One's award-winning antivirus stops viruses and malware from harming your devices. They provide ransomware protection that secures your personal photos, documents, and other files from being modified, deleted, or encrypted by ransomware attacks. Plus, they provide firewall protection so you can keep your personal information secure and prevent attacks that seek to access your computer and steal your data. One of my favorite features about Avast is how once you get it set up and going, it just does its own thing in the background. I cannot stress that I am not the most technologically savvy person in the entire world. So to know that once it's running, it just knows how to do its thing, worth it. Avast prevents over 1.5 billion attacks every month. And with Avast One, you can confidently take control of your online world without worrying about viruses, phishing attacks, ransomware, hacking attempts, and other cyber crimes. Learn more about Avast One at avast.com. During an important 2006 lawsuit, Kipax was a plaintiff suing someone that spoke badly about his companies. Our defendant friend here, David Thornton, had been spreading the truth about TTI and BIM. Both he and McCluskey organized peaceful protests outside of BIM seminars, picketing their organizations. Footage of this is actually shown in the CBC investigation too. Thornton was actually arrested for disturbing the peace and the BIM meeting went on as planned. Thankfully, the charges were dropped, though Kipax continued to get away with his scam. As you'd expect, this wasn't their only interaction. Kipax and Thornton have an incredibly long history together. Thornton's apparently been protesting against Kipax since 2004 when he only had TTI. He also operates a website called Crime Busters Now where he heavily features Kipax. Just to give you a general sense of their interactions, here's a portion of the website. I do not know Mr. Kipax personally and have no personal vested interest in seeing Mr. Kipax incarcerated other than that of justice prescribed by our laws. The whole matter is very sad, tragic, and worse. It was, in my view, a preventable tragedy. My only interest is in seeking and seeing justice for the benefit of society. During an assault in Kitchener, Ontario, where I was the victim, I have spoken out publicly against pyramid Ponzi schemes and subsequently beaten near a rundown in traffic and sent to the hospital. I was interviewed by the prosecuting attorney just before court. He explained that the matter had been resolved through plea bargain agreement and I was not required to give evidence. I asked to be allowed to give a victim impact statement. He emphasized that he did not wish to get into the details of pyramid Ponzi schemes as it was, in his view, irrelevant to the charge of assault. He handed me $160 the defendant had paid him for the destruction of my bullhorn. I insisted that I be allowed to give some sort of victim impact statement. He said he would represent my views to the judge in a proper and professional manner. However, near the end of his presentation, it was apparent he has no intention of even mentioning it. He explained to the judge that the defense counsel had come to an agreement as to sentencing. Surprisingly to me, this raised the ire of the judge. At some length, the judge admonished and berated both counsel. He explained to them in some detail, I am not here to rubber stamp your secret plea deals. I want to know the facts in the case. Next time you make a deal, I want both of you in my office explaining the particulars of the case. At that point, I stood up, somewhat timid and nervous in those days. Excuse me, your honor, may I speak? I requested. Yes, he answered. Come forward, what would you like to say? The judge's softened tone and his obvious desire to get at the whole truth gave me the confidence to explain without reservation what I truly believed he ought to know. I told his honor without reservation that the prosecuting attorney was withholding information from the court, withholding the circumstances leading up to the assault during a peaceful demonstration, an attempt to expose publicly for the protection of the public, the practices of these commercial enterprises since the media in that area had refused to do so and authorities would do nothing. 
And my apologies for the massive quote there, but I felt like this section was important to include because not only does it demonstrate how much Thornton generally cares about exposing pyramid schemes, but just how out of control these situations can become. It's worth noting that this is only Thornton's side of the story, but given Kipax's known track record, I am inclined to believe him. Thornton is an anti-MLM advocate and I genuinely admire some of his tactics. Peaceful protest and presenting the facts to try and help vulnerable communities avoid MLM seems like an effective method, but he's nothing but respectful in his letter. Also, as a brief side note, from what I could gather from CBC, the reason Thornton is so passionate about fighting MLMs is because his ex-wife fell for one. And I don't know if this was before or after their marriage, but he's been trying to warn others ever since. Now back to the lawsuit. Bim and the recently closed TTI were pretty sick of Thornton. So Kipax filed this defamation suit for $10 million, which is a bit excessive, right? TTI and Bim claimed that their reputation and business suffered because of Thornton with sales decreasing significantly. However, Thornton came prepared with evidence. What he said was true about them relying on recruitment and pyramid scheme practices whereas TTI and BIM only seem prepared to argue that he was hurting them, not that what Thornton said was untrue. While Thornton acknowledged he'd been a thorn in their side, he said it wasn't unwarranted and he was on this campaign to prevent anyone from causing economic and emotional damage to ordinary Canadians that may fall for these MLMs. Though I expected the worst, this case had a fantastic outcome in vindicating Thornton. The judge effectively told BIM that their business was questionable and Thornton had every right to question it. If they wanted to have a successful defamation suit, then they needed to prove Thornton had actually done something illegal. Now, as you might expect, this wasn't the only lawsuit Bim faced. One class action suit brought by Mark Cazetto years later in 2014, alleged that Bim was in breach of the Competition Act in regards to MLM plans. The class claimed to have lost over $65 million in damages and also sought a $1 million reward in punitive damages against Kipax personally. The lawsuit says what you'd expect that you know one member discusses in detail how BIM operated. They would claim the memberships were worth over $75,000 without evidence. The vacations didn't give any discounts whatsoever and Kipax was self-described mastermind behind the whole scheme, You know the general things of that nature. From what I can tell, this too succeeded and was ultimately the lawsuit that actually ended BIM. $65 million wasn't returned, but the judge decided on 10% being $6.5 million instead. Unfortunately though, we're still not actually done and far from it. This is after all a three for one and Kipax still has plenty more ridiculous and deadly behavior we have to get through. Now at this point, Kipax's life basically fell apart for a little bit. And this is when he was said to own a website called Long Arm Legal, which masqueraded as a law firm, despite obviously him not being a real law firm. Alan has also gone by a number of aliases such as Jack Masterson and Mark Santos. I understand having an alias if maybe you're writing a book or going undercover or something, but he was using these aliases for fraud. Some claim it's even been proven that yes, Alan is the one behind this fake law firm because the law firm and one of his scams both run under the exact same IP. And I won't really dwell on this because I haven't really seen it mentioned in court documents or news outlets, but I think it's pretty safe to say that he was going to get some hate to you know, possibly feel the need to do something like this. Not only did he supposedly create this fake law firm around the time, but he also was dealing with some massive consequences to unrelated actions. Kipax, it turns out, is far worse than the average scammer. Apparently he doesn't care about other people's lives, even his own family. All the way back in June, 2006, he was driving so aggressively that he killed his own cousin, Peter, and injured two others. Apparently, Alan was in a Mercedes and Peter was in a Porsche and they were racing one another. 
Because of Alan Kipax's aggressive driving, Peter spun out of control, hit a Pontiac with a couple inside and died from the crash. The couple, Allison and Mark Radman, blame Alan for the events. The crash not only ended Allison's teaching career, but her life as an athlete as well. She'd been training for the Boston Marathon. According to my source, she was left permanently disabled with a speech impediment and paralysis on her right side. She suffered a stroke while being treated in hospital for a dislocated hip, crushed ankle, and broken arm. She'd been a special education teacher at Christ the King Catholic Elementary School in Mississauga. Formerly right-handed, Allison must use her left hand to cook and write. Walking remains difficult. Talking is also a struggle. Mark, who was pulled from the wreckage with several broken bones, a crushed foot, chest injuries, and blood clots in his lungs is also no longer as active as he once was. The couple spent nearly three months in hospital and a rehab center. Despite their injuries, they kept their wedding date of July 7th, 2007, and had a baby boy, Luca, born in July, 2008. Crown, as in the representative for Her Majesty the Crown, prosecutor Sean Doyle is seeking a four-year prison sentence and the maximum 10-year driving ban. Fox, the defense lawyer, wants a 15-month conditional sentence to be served under house arrest. And this case dragged on for quite some time. This article that I was just referencing was written in 2010, and there were sentencing delays and things of the nature around that time. Thankfully, the defense did not get their way, and Kipex was sentenced to three years in prison. After that, immigration officials revoked his residency status, and Kipex began struggling to stay out of trouble. In 2012, he was one of eight Brantford, Ontario residents arrested after police seized over $20 million worth of marijuana. Not much else information is really given here, but it sounds like Kipax must have been released early only to prove that working honestly wasn't his forte. Again, in 2015, he was finally convicted of fraud due to his actions in BIM and sentenced to five and a half months of jail time. And that's right, you heard that right. He defrauded people of millions of dollars and was sentenced to just five and a half cute little months. Now, though Canada didn't have to deal with Kipax anymore after this, he was deported to the UK, but Kipax still had not learned his lesson and probably because he didn't get enough of a consequence really. His deportation was an entire chaotic issue in of itself, where Alan made some of the most ridiculous claims I've ever heard for why he shouldn't be deported. Even though the Crown asserted that he was in the wrong and needed to be jailed in the UK where he was born, Kipax literally tried to argue that he was a Canadian Aboriginal. I kid you the fuck not. Kipax, for the record, was born in the UK, and yet one of the issues he presented in the case was the rights of the Aboriginal people in Canada. And I also understand indigenous is preferred over Aboriginal as the term. This is just the language that was used during this particular case. Kipax, who was not born in Canada and has no Canadian bloodline to my knowledge, actually tried to make that argument. So it's a bit insulting and extremely stupid. He may feel like he belongs in Canada as Kipax did live there for most of his life, but if he wanted to stay, then maybe he shouldn't have committed so many crimes. It's really not that difficult to untangle this situation. But even still, he was brought back to the UK and no country can seem to contain his dastardly ways because he was at it again. In 2018, he started an MLM called Home Run International. This time he targeted people in the Philippines instead. And it's pretty disgusting watching him lie and cheer on his audience in the exact same way that he did during BIM seminars. While I'm terrible at guessing ages, I'm confident that one of the boys featured in Kipax's video cannot be older than 16 years old. Like this kiddo literally looks like a kiddo. It's also pretty disgusting that the testimonies that he leaves in the descriptions of these videos, like it literally like includes some that compare him to Jesus. Like check this out. The people verbally crucify Alan. It reminded me of Jesus when the people choose Barabbas, a thief and a murderer over Jesus. Not many people remembered all the good things that Alan did for them. 
As quoted by Mark Anthony from the book, Julius Caesar, I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is oft interred with their bones. So let it be with Caesar, William Shakespeare. In this case, the Caesar is Alan Kippax. Alan is not the monster that most people made him out to be. He has his moments like everyone else. I remember the day his cousin died in the vehicle accident. What most people don't know is that Alan also died with his cousin that night. It is a part and time of his life that he will never forget. People did not give him time to grieve. Once again, they verbally crucify him. The sad part about it is that his distributors were the ones that mostly prosecute him. The fact that Alan posted this video makes me think he has just just a massive ego. And obviously he doesn't see anything wrong with what he did. This comment not only compares Alan to someone that they presumably believe is the son of God, since it reads like they believe the Bible, but they ignore why these distributors are complaining to begin with. Members lost thousands upon thousands of dollars, $65 million, remember? And to say that Alan died with his cousin that night is awful because clearly he didn't. Alan Kippax is very much alive and very much the same. And he seems to have control over both sides of his body, unlike Allison. And I have yet to see him take a shred of responsibility for his actions in street racing that night. And I most certainly believe he does not think about Allison or her husband and what he did to that couple who just happened to be driving home. Like it's ridiculous. The last thing Alan needs is a God complex, but it seems we're too late for that. Now, I tried to find more information about Home Run International and I was able to find a Facebook post about it that was posted by the company. In it, Alan claims to be a certified network marketer, whatever the fuck that means, but he doesn't even mention what HRI does. Instead, the post discusses how MLMs are legitimate. They don't discriminate, they're the way of the future and blah, 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 blah. Even their own Facebook page reveals very little about them, which I have to assume is absolutely intentional. The link to their old website now leads to a casino guide and the Facebook page is littered with cheesy, stereotypical motivational quotes as well. So it's a bit weird. Now I was able to find their old YouTube channel, which claims that you can make a life-changing amount of money in your first month. Yet again, the video reveals absolutely nothing about how you do that or what the job entails. All I know is that it's baseball themed and it's kind of set up the same way that TTI was pirate themed. In another video on that channel, Kipax discusses gems and gem caches as products and how you'll receive emeralds in a baggie that will increase value. So, you know, it seems like the cycle's just repeating itself. And as the videos go on, HRI just really looks like it's another TTI, but with a baseball theme and not in Canada. It's insanely upsetting to see Alan keep pulling these same scams and tricks again and again, but I am pleased to say that judging by the activity on HRI's Facebook, YouTube, and from a few sources that report on Kipax, this MLM has also failed. It seems to have gone under last year in 2020, though I'm not entirely sure why. Whatever the reason may be, I really hope that Alan doesn't come back with a fourth MLM. But hey, if he does, I'll be right here to take a look at it and whatever garbage or dangerous behavior he's taking part in. But with all of that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode of Multi-Level Mondays. I hope you found this one interesting because I most certainly did, uh, the man that keeps replicating shitty ass MLM. So anyway, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. If you wanna connect with me outside of these, make sure to click my Linktree link. It'll have links to all of my social media and other projects that I'm involved in. I wanna thank you for spending some of your time here with me today. I know it's valuable and I appreciate that you spent at least the last, what, 30 minutes or so vibing with me and talking about failed MLMs. So thank you so much and I hope you have a great rest of your day and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.